Isn't, isn't Pastor Mama the best? I don't know how a single individual can have so much love. All righty, will you pray with me? Ah, Jesus, we come today, God, asking for you to just crash in on us. I just pray, God, that you'd crash in on us tonight, Jesus, that you would meet us right where we are at. I thank you, Jesus, that you're, that you're not asking each of us to come in the same way, but, you're, but you meet each and every one of us right where we are at, right in the season that you have us. And I pray, God, that today each and every one of us would leave change because we've encountered your presence. I pray, God, that we, we would love you more than we've ever loved you once we leave here today. And then I pray, God, that tomorrow we would love you even more than that. I pray, God, that you would show us your goodness tonight. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for what you've done in my life. I thank you, God, for encounters. I thank you in my darkest times. I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. I thank you that I can trust you. So I ask that you would anoint me tonight, that you would be with us and encounter your people. In Jesus' holy, mighty, and wonderful name, amen. amen. Come on. Alrighty, well, um, <laughs> to be here with you guys is, is an answer um, to one of my deepest and, and longest prayers. Um, ever since Carrie and I drove into Boise, Idaho, we have just been completely and utterly overwhelmed with love and support from each and every one of you. And I just want to take some time and thank you guys because of the way that you've welcomed us. I swear when we like drove into our new apartment, there was like 10 people there and we were unpacked in 30 minutes. How is that even a, what? That's crazy. And so we've just been so filled with love. And, and honestly, being here at this church um, is, an, like I said, an answer to one of my longest prayers. When In 2015, I spent some time in, in Mozambique with Heidi Baker's ministry. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Come on. And it was so incredible. And um, when I came back from there, a lot of people, what did you see? Um, what was the most powerful miracle that you saw while you were in Mozambique? What did, what did you see? What, what was the thing that just blew your mind the most? And, you know, I saw blind eyes open. I saw deaf ears open. I saw a witch doctor give his life to Jesus, and it was amazing, and it was powerful. But I honestly left with the thing that was the greatest miracle that I saw was the culture there. The culture of a community of people who are desperate and hungry for the presence of God. To see a culture that, that was led by Heidi, but seriously, every single person that I met there had her same DNA of just desperate to be a vessel that God would use. And, and, and a prayer in my life changed when I was there. And I said, God, I don't care if I'm ever a head pastor. I don't care if I ever even work at a church again. I don't care if I'm a janitor. Honestly, all I want, God, is to be a part of a movement. The only thing I want in this life, Jesus, is to be a part of a move, to be a part of a body that seeks first the kingdom of God. And I believe the moment that I drove into Boise, Idaho, God said to me, here's one of your promises, my boy, to be a part of this church because I believe the things that are going to be birthed in this church is going to be a movement that is going to last just some generations and generations and generations to come. 
And it's not a movement that's just a church movement, but it's a movement that's looking towards families, that's looking towards businesses, that's looking towards culture. And I just, this is just in its infancy. And look at the fruit that we already have. It is just so awesome. So I just want to publicly thank you all for contending for what you have here now. I just want to thank you for sitting in the season that God has you in. And just thank you for the way that you have received Carrie and I. We are just utterly overwhelmed um, with love. So thank you all. Give yourself a hand, actually. Um, so before Jordan left for, for India, he asked me if I would share my story with you all tonight. And I immediately began seeking God and I said, Lord, what a part of my story do you want me to share? What a part of my story do you want me to share with Riverhouse this first time I preach? And, and, the, Lord, <laughs> and the Lord said to me, H.A., I want you to share about suffering. And I immediately left the prayer room. I said, that wasn't God. I'm going to go work because that was not work. I don't want to. No, 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 no. So I went into the prayer room. I mean, I went to, to my desk. And, of course, Kim, being the prophetic lady that she is, looks at me and goes, hey, so how's your sermon coming along? I'm like, oh, gosh, really? God, come on. And I was like, you know, it's coming okay. And I'm like, no, actually, not really. God and I are in a fight. God wants me to preach on suffering. And I don't want to preach on suffering my first time. And anyways, super long story short. I went back into the prayer room, and God again was like, AJ, you're preaching on suffering this weekend. And as I began to, to seek God and ask him why, um, uh, he, he began to speak to me and, and tell me, because I've done some things in your life through suffering that I want to do um, in this movement. Not that he causes suffering by any means, but, but AJ, you've been a man who, who has gone through a lot of suffering in your life for for your age, I'm 24, and I can honestly say for the last 10 years of my life, I've gone through suffering. Uh, that's not me being dramatic. That's me just telling you facts. I've, I've had a, a difficult go about. But, but the thing is, is I went through a season of suffering where I didn't do it well. And when I didn't do it well, it, it wasn't good. It led to more internal suffering in my soul where my heart began to crumble in sin. And it wasn't good, and I'll talk more about my, my story later. But, but I also went through a season of suffering in those last four years where I did do it well. And when I, do it, when I did it well, I can honestly sit here and tell you today that I know Jesus way better today than I knew him 10 years ago. And I love him way more tonight because he met me in the midst of my suffering. And I believe the message that Jesus wants me to share tonight is, is what does it look like for we as a people to suffer well? Because I firmly believe that the things that are going to be birthed out of this church are going to be big. And they're going to be mighty. And they're going to be wonderful. But I, I, I just felt the Lord speak to me this week that in order for this movement to last for generations and generations and generations to come, we need to be a people who suffer well. We need to be a people that regardless of our circumstance, fix our gaze on the goodness of God. And, 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 and in this message, I want to be very clear. It's, it's not a message that is supposed to, to produce fear into our life, but a message about the goodness of God and the importance of standing steadfast in the midst of whatever we are going through because we want to be a church that leaves legacies upon legacies upon legacies. Amen? Come on. And so, um, yeah, so, the, so suffering, it's this really interesting thing. Right? Um, we're a culture who prays that the, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We are a culture who is hungry and desperate for God to get us to our destiny, to get us to our promises, and, 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 and to see signs and wonders and miracles, and for God to use us in the workplace, and all this stuff, and, and it's the heart of the kingdom, and it's beautiful. It's the thing that attracts me to this church the most, but I'm just going to tell you in my life, the prayer that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that prayer became real when I had to sit in my suffering and still pray that prayer. Like, am I going to be a person that still prays thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven when all around me looks like hell, right? And I believe our biblical here, I believe just like we read risk out of the Bible often, I think we also um, read suffering out of the Bible. Think about our heroes, Jesus, Moses, Abraham, Joseph, David. Jesus suffered on this earth, right? I mean, I'm trying to be depressing, but he did. He was probably considered an illegitimate child most of his life. He was considered a blasphemer, a heretic. His best friend denied him. His other best friend betrayed him. He was beaten. He was flogged. Right? He endured suffering. Moses... Abraham was promised the descendants amount of the stars in the sky, yet he had no children for years. And it got so crazy to the point where his own wife mocked him. Joseph was promised to be a ruler, and he ended up in a pit from his own family, then to a prison, then released from prison, then back to prison, all before he got to his destiny. But I believe what makes a the difference between the biblical heroes and the people in history that maybe aren't talked about is the people in the Bible, many of them suffered well. These heroes of our faith, they went through suffering and they endured it and their eyes were fixed on Jesus and God and the goodness and his faithfulness the entire time, right? And so I believe, God, that's what he wants to release over us, for this movement to last. Because when we don't suffer well, what usually happens when we allow external circumstances that cause suffering in our life, when we don't deal with it in a healthy way, we usually fall into sin. Because it makes us vulnerable to sin. It makes us vulnerable to numb out, vulnerable to become a victim of our suffering. And oftentimes when we become victims of our suffering, it leads to internal suffering of our souls. And I believe God is releasing something over us tonight saying, no, no, no. My people who are called by my name are going to be a people who put on the same attitude of Christ. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for their evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Right? Joseph, Peter... Moses, Abraham, they suffered well. But what happened to the Israelites? The Israelites were delivered from Egypt, walking to the promised land. They experienced external suffering. It got hot. They got hungry. They were overeating the same kind of food every single day. 
right? They allowed their external circumstances. They didn't deal with it in a healthy way because they came, became victims of their suffering. And when they became victims of their suffering, they started worshiping a God that wasn't our God. And when they started worshiping a God that wasn't our God, it led to internal suffering that led them into the wilderness for 40 years. And God is saying to us tonight, let us not be people who are wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, but people who stand firm and stand in the truth that God is good all the time. Amen? Okay. So um, when I was 14 years old, um, my life radically, radically changed. Um, I came from this picture-perfect family uh, in Newport Beach, California. My parents were leaders in the church. We had all the money in the world. My dad was my coach in all my sporting uh, events. My mom was just the awesome mom that had an intimate relationship with Jesus that would tuck me in bed every single night and pray for me. We, like, took in kids who had single parents and blessed them. My parents would pay for their private school education. Like, we were the real deal. It wasn't just a show. We really were. We really were. But then when, when um, I turned 14-ish, um, all hell broke loose over our family. And addiction hit our family. And um, all I know is a year after the, the addiction hit our family, um, the police have shown up at our house multiple times. Social services is showing up at our house wondering if it is even a safe place for me and my brother and sister to live. And it was really, really hard. And a few months after that, my parents ended up getting divorced. And everything in my life that I knew at that time to be good in a single moment was taken from me. It was, it was gone in a blink of an eye. And people say, well, didn't you see, like, warnings? And I'm like, like, no. It was like one day there wasn't anything. And then the other day all hell broke loose on my family. And, and, I, and I did not deal with my external suffering in a healthy way. I got really angry and bitter at God. I was frustrated. I was like, God, we had everything. You were, we would honor you. We took care of people. We went to church. We blessed you. Like, why didn't, why didn't you stop this? And, and it was this really weird season because I still, like, I still loved God, but I can honestly say I don't think I trusted him as my rescuer. I did not trust him as my rescuer. And, 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 and for me, everyone at my life at this time was completely broken. Everything was in shambles. My dad, my mom, my brother, my sister, my friends, um, uh, my, uh, everyone. And so my mentality was, God, I can't trust you as rescuer right now. And so I'm going to act as rescuer. And I put everyone on my back. And I put everyone on my back and I said, let's just follow, just follow me. Let me, let me lead us out of this season. And it was this weird, weird season. I know I've said that, but it was this weird because I was actually worshiping God. But really what I was doing is I was making myself my own God. I wasn't dependent on him because I created distance from him. And I wouldn't allow him into my heart. And all through this time, I would get all these affirmations and accolades, and everyone would be like, oh, my gosh, AJ, how are you doing this? You're just the most amazing kid in the world. You're carrying your family. You're carrying your friends. You're carrying your football team all while, like, you lost everything. How are you doing this? And I began to love. I began to love the affirmation because I'm like, oh, maybe I am. Maybe I am pretty good at this. But really what was going on in my soul is my, my soul was crippling and dying. I numbed my pain with an addiction to pornography. 
inside I was so broken that I was violent with the people that I loved. I, I would punch holes in walls on a very regular basis. I would freak out and, and yell and scream. Yet when I was with, in public with people watching me and looking at me, I acted a certain way. I acted like this good Christian kid. But really, I allowed my external, my external suffering, I did not deal with it in a healthy way that led to sin, that led to internal suffering of my soul. That by the time I, I got into my freshman year of college, I was completely and utterly broken and depressed. I, I am I'm very hesitant to use the word suicidal, as that's a big word, but I can say that there were, very, there were a lot of moments where I did not want to live anymore. I, I was done. I was frustrated with God. I was frustrated at the emptiness that I, I felt inside. And I was in this new environment where I, no one knew me, right? No one, no one knew what I came from. No one knew. And, and so I, I, I actually sat in my brokenness and I sat in my emptiness. And for some reason, something came up in me where I began to just say, God, I am so broken and so in need. Like my only hope is you. My, my only hope is you. And then I met Riley, and I, I was crazy. I, I, was, I, woke, I met Riley one morning. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. We were at a camp, and I, I woke up to walk outside. And it was 5 o'clock. We were on this retreat, and I see this red-headed weirdo walking around on the beach, raising his hands, dancing, worshiping God, doing all this stuff. I'm like, what the heck? That guy knows God. Like, <laughs> Like, like, I was so broken at this point, honestly, in my life. And I was like, I want, I want what he has. I, I want what he has. And, and little do you know, I, I went and I sat down with him and we just began to talk and we became best friends very quickly. And I heard his story about how simply through his season of suffering, he pursued God. And so I was just like, all right, I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to pursue God. I'm broken. I'm in need. And I want, the, I want that joy that he has. I want that peace that he has. I, I want that. And so I began just praying. I just began praying. We'd pray through the nights. And, and I'd just pray that God would touch me. I'd say, God, if you could touch Abraham, if you could touch Moses in his time of need, if you could touch David, God, why can't you touch me? I know you can touch me, God. I know it. Would you just touch me? And I would pray and pray and night after night after night. Nothing would happen, but more hunger would come, and I'd get more hungry. And it was like God was putting this hunger in me to get rid of all the junk that was in my life. Then finally, we were in the prayer room one night, me, Riley, and another buddy. And as we're in that prayer room, I was praying that same prayer, God, would you just touch me? Would you just touch me? And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, and he said, AJ, if you want me to touch you, I want you to become like me. AJ, if you want me to touch you, I want you to become like me. And it was like this moment where I knew he was going to touch me regardless. He was already starting to touch me. But it was this invitation into a deeper level of his heart. And I said, okay, God, what's that look like? And he said, I want you to forgive those who have hurt you. You, you, you know I forgave you for your addiction to pornography. You know I forgave you 
for acting as your rescuer. You know I've forgiven you, AJ, for, for putting me off into the distance and taking glory for yourself. AJ, you know I have forgiven you, so learn my heart and forgive those who have hurt you. And so I stayed there that night, and I asked Riley to come up to me, and I said, dude, I just need to forget every single person that has ever hurt me. And the poor guy had to sit there and listen to me forgive every single person that has ever hurt me in my life. But it was amazing because I would just say, I forgive you for abandoning me. I forgive you for rejecting me. I forgive you for, for stealing my childhood. I forgive you for making me grow up way too early. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And after an hour and a half, every single time I said, I forgive you, I felt this layer on my heart fall off and like kind of melt away. And what I started to realize is that God's heart and my heart were one the whole time. The whole time I was going through suffering, the whole time I was going through pain, my heart and God's heart were one. But because I did not suffer well, I built this wall up in my heart to where I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't feel him. But because I took the same posture, I put the same attitude on as he had, I, I, the layer left and I realized that God was with me every single way in the midst of my suffering. And so as I forgave, as I forgave, as I forgave, all of a sudden at the very end of it, I became the joy bomb that I am. And I became laughing uncontrollably under the Holy Spirit. Dude, I was laughing so hard it hurt. I wanted to stop laughing. I was laughing so hard. And the other person that was with us was so freaked out. They bailed and left the room. It was hilarious. But I, I literally was just filled with this joy. And I laughed for an hour, maybe an hour and a half uncontrollably and the whole time I was laughing all I heard the Lord speak over me was AJ you are my boy I am for you not against you I will never leave you I will never forsake you and from this day on AJ you will be known as a man of joy you will be able to be an anchor for my God. In the midst of trials, in the midst of pain, you are able to be an anchor for my goodness. And, the, and I believe it was because the invitation for my heart to connect with God's heart. And when I connected with God's heart, he began to reveal the destinies and the plans that he has for my life. And honestly, after that day, my life was radically different. I was no longer fake. I was real. I was integrous. I had integrity. I had character. But more importantly, I had life and life abundantly. And I had joy. And all of a sudden, I started walking in the promises of God. God spoke to me very early on as a kid that I was going to be a pastor someday. I was in sixth grade. But I started walking in my pastoral, like, gifting or whatever. I, I stewarded a little movement on campus where a bunch of Nazarene people, not a bunch, a couple started, woke up speaking in tongues uncontrollably, and they didn't even know what it was. Ha-ha. <laughs> it was amazing. It was so cool. And, and I mean, dude, I, had not, I did nothing. I mean, I don't even think, I, yeah, I didn't even speak in tongues at that time. But all I know is that God was moving and he was using something that I was cultivating because he met me in the prayer room and I started walking into the promises and doors started opening and to make a really long story short, 
after about uh, a few months after God really encountered me, the Holy Spirit came to me and he said, AJ, I want you to leave Point Loma. I want you to go home and go to Vanguard University. I want you to help Becky and Roger, who are my spiritual parents. I want you to help them plant a church. And I also want you to know that you will be facing the deepest, darkest pains of your life, which is your family and your home. Newport for me was a very scary place because it was a place where I put on a show my whole life. And I was done putting on a show. I was going to be real. I was going to be honest. I was going to be vulnerable. And I was going to be a pastor, right? Thank you. I'm sweaty. <laughs> this is just who I am. You'll get to know me. It's gnarly. I don't even realize it anymore. It's crazy. It's like, oh, I didn't know I was sweating, but I am. Um, and so, anyways, I, I went home, and I was just so fired up, and, and, and I was just so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh, if God met me at Point Loma, he's going to be with me, and he's going he's gonna to come with me, and, and if he could deliver me, and if he could set going to free, and if he could give me joy, then he's going to redeem my family. My parents are going to get remarried. I'm going to see heaven invade earth. I'm going to see all this goodness and goodness and goodness and more goodness, and I was so excited and so fired up. And if I'm just being real with you people, the last thing that happened the last four years of my, five years of my life when I were home were any of those things. I went home, and the only thing that was good in my life the last five years is the fact that I got married to my wonderful wife. And that I worked at this church and I got to start in my, I got to start working in what the Lord has called me to work in. But besides that, Everything that I thought God was going to redeem actually was more dysfunctional, was actually more broken. And it really, really confused me. And honestly, it still does. It confuses me. But all I know is God did something deep in me in this last season. A little over a year and a half ago, the Holy Spirit came to me. I was sitting on the couch with my wife, and the Holy Spirit came to me, and he said, AJ, something is coming tomorrow, and I need you to remember what I told you in the prayer room at Point Loma. I need you to remember that I am good and faithful. I need you to remember that I made you a man of joy. I need you to remember that it doesn't matter what comes your way. If you fix your eyes on me, you're going to be okay. And I began to weep. I mean, I, I haven't wept like this in a long time. And I began to weep because I began to feel the heaviness that was coming. And it was a heaviness that was harder than, than any of the heaviness that I ever faced. And all I know is the next day, my stepmom left my dad. And two days after that, my dad was diagnosed with a um, terminal cognitive disease. And I'm the oldest kid in my family. He now doesn't have a wife. And so everything fell on me. The doctor said, you need to do this. Lawyer said, you need to do this, 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 and this. I was leading a church. I was trying to figure out when I'm going to come here. Like, Right? Insane, insane confusion, despair, frustration. But what I can tell you is in this season, I suffered well. 
in this season, I really couldn't do much. I really couldn't. I couldn't pray. I'll be honest, I couldn't pray. Pastors are supposed to pray. I couldn't pray. I'd get on my knees and I'd try reading my Bible and I'd try praying. But the only thing that would come through my mind is all the things that I had to do that day. And so literally the only thing I could do in this last year and a half of my life is become a worshiper. The only thing I could do was say, God, you are good and faithful. I do not know how I'm going to get through today. I don't even, I don't, I, I'm trying to pray, but I literally can't hear you. The only thing I'm going to do right now, God, is take a posture of please thy kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's in this last season where that prayer actually became the cry of my heart. It became the cry of my heart because I saw what it was like to live in despair and confusion and of pain. But I can tell you, each and every time I got on my knees and I became a worshiper and I began singing praises to him and I began saying, God, you are good. You are faithful. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You told me that I'm going to be a pastor. You told me that I'm going to preach to a lot of people. You worship me that I'm powerful. You told me that I'll see healthy family. So I would just declare it and I'd just worship. And all I can tell you is God gave me everything I needed for that season. My joy did not change. I'll tell you what. The pain that I experienced in the first season and the pain I experienced in the second season were the same. The pain didn't go away. Injustice is injustice. But the difference was the first time I didn't suffer well, and when I didn't suffer well, it led to more internal suffering where I built this layer in my heart where God felt really far from me. The second season, I invited God in and realized he was already there, and he gave me everything I needed for that season. Right? Amen? And I believe, you know, this is what this, I didn't say this in the last service, but this is what this church was found on. You know, the, I, when I talked with Riley and I, and I heard his story, and then you hear about Robin's story, and and honestly, she comes from a similar background to mine in a way. And, and, and I believe for this movement to go and go and go is like we need to be a people who live this. This is, this is what the early church did. They suffered well. Right in Asia Minor, it was a place where all of the, the people who were being persecuted in Rome, they would be sent into Asia Minor because the persecution was so crazy in Rome, right? Businesses were being taken away. Christians were being killed. Like, it was intense. It was hard. It was gnarly. And so they would flee and they would go into Asia Minor. And Peter is writing to a people, right? That's big. That's big suffering, right? Your family's been taken from you. Your job, everything, your home. You have to leave your home because of your faith. It's extreme suffering. And it's to those people that Peter is writing. <laughs> this messes me up, man. <laughs> so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. 
It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. Essentially, when you suffer well, it will bring you praise, glory, and honor in the eyes of Jesus. You love him though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And then in chapter 5, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety onto him, because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. That'll preach. <laughs> but it's, it's crazy. I, I read this and I'm just crazy because I, I didn't think, honestly, if you read that, you're like, how is that possible? How is that possible that you can actually have joy in the midst of that? And all I'm telling you is the only way to know is when you're in it and you do it and you try and you sit there in the midst of suffering and you say, God... I need your peace. And Kim Gillespie told me that Danny Silk has a quote that he says, joy is an outward manifestation of inward peace. And I can tell you in the midst of hell, the last four years of my life, I was never afraid. I was never afraid. I had pain, it hurt, but I was never afraid because I know what God told me as a 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid in a prayer room at Point Loma Nazarene University that he is good and faithful. And because he is good, as, good and faithful, I have peace. He's good. He says it will pass in due time. <laughs> that verse bugs me. <laughs> but in due time, it will pass. No, for any of you who are going through sufferings right now, in due time, it will pass. Not, not tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, in due time. For me, it's been 10 years. And I honestly believe that my suffering didn't end until I was obedient to the Lord and I got in my car with my wife and I drove to Boise, Idaho, saying, I'm going after the promises of God for my life. Right? But 10 years, <laughs> too long. <laughs> Way too long. Um, one of the other verses that's just been absolutely wrecking me in this time has been in Romans 4, talking about Abraham. It says, Abraham, when there was no reason to hope, he had hope. 
He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. When we suffer well, God counts us as righteous. It's not works-based, but we actually become righteousness when we suffer well. I'm going to say that again because that's good. We actually become righteous when we suffer well because we put on God's same attitude. But as I began reading and just dwelling over this verse on, on he had hope when there was no reason to hope, for he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promises, right? Like Abraham is, is one of the first people to ever really have an intimate relationship with God. And I sat there and I was like, how? How on earth could, could Abraham have faith that God was able to do whatever he promises, and the Lord spoke to me, he was like, because he had a value system that said, God is good. Period, exclamation mark. Maybe another one, and a fire emoji. <laughs> but when you have a root system and a value system that says God is good, you have something to put your hope in. If you don't have a value system that says God is good, you have nothing to put your hope in. You have no promises to cling to because if you don't have a good God, then you feel that's the difference between, I can honestly say the only difference, big difference <laughs> between my first season and my second season was in my first season of suffering, I lost sight of the goodness of God. They gave me everything and I knew God was good. And because I knew he was good, he gave me everything to endure that season. And I knew that if he said he's faithful, he's faithful. Because he's God and I'm not. People don't make good gods. I think a, a really uh, a good way, because here's the deal. Here, here's the real truth, right? When you're in season of suffering, it's easy to mentally tell yourself that God is good. But there's so much like nonsense going around you, it's really easy to forget about his goodness. And so I think that's why the only thing that God fully was like met me in every single time was when I worshiped him. Because when I got on my knees and I praised his name and I exalted him and I lifted him high, I actually believe it renewed my mind. It renewed my mind and transformed my thinking to say, okay, God's good. Okay, I'm good now. I can go through today. I know I'm going to be okay. But, and I knew a good litmus test for me, honestly, a good litmus test for me on if I was suffering well was the amount of joy that I had in that day. Because when... <laughs> I suffered well, I took a heart posture of worship and I lifted his name up, I was reminded of his goodness and then I was able to go through the rest of my day filled with joy because I considered it a pure trial. I mean, I considered pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I had joy, God gave me joy when I worshiped him. And so for me, that was a good litmus test of if I was suffering well or not. Um, and this will be the last thing I'll share before we get wrecked and go into some ministry time. Um, Paul was someone who, who went through a lot of suffering, right? He was thrown in prison a bunch of times. But one of the other things that we see um, in scriptures that Paul struggled with is he had a thorn in his side. 
and we don't know really what it is. Uh, a lot of theologians think that it might have been like a physical ailment, and, and, it's, and, he, and it says that he pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from him. And this verse then like messes with my thinking. And so Paul came, and he prayed that the Lord would take it from him. But the Lord said, no, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. For when you are weak, then I am strong. My grace is sufficient for you. I believe God is looking for a people who in the midst of their suffering get weak. To get weak doesn't mean to not work. <laughs> to get weak is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Cast your anxieties onto him. Declare his goodness and say, I can't get through today unless you meet me. I can't. And when we get weak is when we see the dunamis power of God amplified in our life. Right? That's how come Paul, we read about his signs and wonders, and it's like, what? Well, he was weak. That's how come when people say, oh, I want the joy you have, I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. I've had to get real weak. Because if I don't get weak, I don't have joy. I become a bully and a jerk. <laughs> I don't like being a bully and a jerk. I want to be a man of joy. It's a lot more pleasant for me and everyone else around me. But I got to get weak. I can tell you the weeks in my last ministry that were the most powerful were the weeks that I couldn't even plan a sermon. The only thing I could do was, <laughs> was get into the prayer room at my church, turn on the music, dance and sing. Because I got weak. I said, God, I, I literally do not have the mental capacity to plan a sermon tomorrow so much stuff to do so I need you to meet me and he said worship me and so I did and he met me amen um, so three things in order for us to be people who suffer well first we need to be a people who have a root system and a value system that says God is good the way to accomplish that is to become a worshiper it transforms your thinking the second what is the second what did I say um, what was it? Do you remember? What? Oh, did I separate them? Oh, never mind. They're the same, too. Okay, so one, <laughs> have a root system and value system that says God is good. Two, become a worshiper. And three, invite people into your suffering. Lean on people. If you think you can do this yourself, you're crazy. You are crazy. Every single day, I didn't think I was going to get emotional two services in a row. Every single day at 2 o'clock, Riley would call me for the last year and a half, every day. And, we would, and he was a place um, for me in the middle of my day. That was when I got attacked a lot, was in the middle of the day when I was in the midst of work. I'd just get filled with all these things to do. But every day at 2 o'clock, I'd Riley call me. Well, I called him, and a lot of the times we just laughed and dreamed together and, and talked and had fun, but, but a lot of the other times was spent me just venting, saying, dude, this sucks. I never denied that this sucks. This sucks. And I still have questions. I still don't know why, but that's not for me to figure out. It's for, it's for God to figure out. He said he's good and faithful. 
My wife was a rock. She, we, it was our first year of marriage when all of this, this happened, but she was a rock and someone I could depend on, someone to hold me accountable to make sure that I was still getting in the presence. My little brother was my partner in crime to just say, let's do this together, bro. If all the rest of our family is struggling, me and you're not, we're going to link arms and go. If you think you can go through suffering alone, you're crazy. The move of God a movement of God requires us, the church, living it out together. That is how come there are people in this church right now who are going through seasons of bliss. And there are also people in this church right now who are going through seasons of suffering. And if the bliss just stays to the right and the suffering just stays to the left, we're not going to have a movement. But when the right and the left can come together and walk life together, we're going to see God move and he's going to invade our lives and he's going to meet us in our needs. Amen? Amen. Awesome. I'm going to ask Garrett to come up because we're going to enter into some ministry time. Okay. I just, um, let me pull up. I, the Lord spoke something to me earlier. I feel like um, some of you who, have, have, you, you really need to, to come and get prayer. You feel utterly hopeless. Um, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel hopeless. I know what it's like um, to just struggle day to day when all of hell seems to be in front of you. And if you are someone who, who is re really struggling with feeling hopeless, my prayer is that you would come up and get ministered to um, from someone on our team. Um, because, I, and I'm just going to even ask that maybe even the ministry team, that when, if someone comes up feeling hopeless, um, encourage them. Pray, pray for them, but with encouragement. And then I also um, think there's some of you in here who um, heard this message, and you're like, ah, shoot, I haven't been suffering well. And I just want you to hear the Lord say over you right now that, like, he's not mad at you. He didn't say suffer perfect. He said suffer well. He said just lean on me. And for those of you who are convicted, maybe, I just, don't, don't sit in shame. We have to resist the devil in these times when God is starting to open up and show us where we're lacking. And my prayer for you is that you would just sit back. I honestly, in some ways, pray that you don't come up and pray that you just sit in your chair for a little bit of time. We don't have a lot of time, but you just sit in your chair and you just lean back into his arms and just over and over and over just say, God, I love you. So I will serve you. So I will suffer well. I will go through this with integrity and purpose and then I think there's a lot of you in here who are really tired um, I really know what that's like and um, respond in whatever way you're gonna, you want to respond the ministry team is going to be up here I'll be up here or you can just stay in your seat or, or something but just again just lean back in the father's arms but have a heart posture of taking courage because your time is now the dark night of the soul season ends now it ends now
And whether you leave here today and it seems like it hasn't ended tomorrow, to tomorrow, you know what? You know what to do. You take courage. You have the action steps to know what to do, to suffer well, become a worshiper, lean back into his arms and declare his goodness. So why don't you stand or sit however you want to respond. I'm just going to pray for us. Jesus, I, I love you. I thank you, God, that you met a, a boy in a prayer room at Point Loma and told him that you have plans for him. I thank you, God, that you met me every single time I needed you. Get Thank you, God, that you are God. That when we get weak, you give us the sufficient grace to endure. I thank you, God, that you are not scared of our scary questions. That you actually receive our questions as a, as a, as a thing that, you, that we trust you. ask that you kind of respond in whatever way the Holy Spirit is leading you. We don't have a huge ministry team tonight, and so we may kind of just put our, lay our hands on you and pass over, um, but if you feel like you just need to be alone with God, then, then please be alone with God, but if you feel like you need courage, that you need someone to pray for you, then I ask that you please come up. Um, for those of you who are in a season of bliss, in a season of blessing, I pray that you would leave inspired to encourage somebody this week who is going through a serious trial. Amen.